Hey, Michael, this is Tony Taylor calling from uh, White Rock, BC, Canada. Hi, Michael, it's Dawn Berry from Sunridge, Ontario, Canada. Just wanted to touch in and let you know how much I really enjoyed being on your podcast, The Tangled Mind. It was an amazing opportunity to be able to share with your audience, to be able to share with you and to uh, collaborate. And when we do that, it makes a big difference to somebody somewhere in the world. Welcome back to another episode of the Tangled Mind Podcast, a platform that I'm providing people with mental health issues or even family members to come along, talk about whatever they want, whenever they want, and see if we can help other people out from all around the world. Welcome back to this week's show. So this episode is obviously episode 30. So what I've done is I've got my mum back on. My mum was my first interview as such on the back on the first of June. Um, obviously we're going to have a bit of an update on dad um, and more of a chat just how this year's gone and our group and things like that. So hello again, mum. <laughs> hello, Michael. You all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Just. Uh, you need to get this recording and edited for tomorrow. <laughs> That'll be fine. I'll, I'll try to not talk too much then for a change. <laughs> so, obviously, this year it's been a uh, it's been a tough year for us all. Um, obviously, it's been a well, it's been a long year. Um, and obviously, with COVID, dad, and everything else, it's just. I think it's just starting to get to everybody, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I know that um, obviously Dad's situation has um, has not really improved since June. If if anything, it's got worse. Um, and I think that COVID has played a massive part in that because he um passed as a um, um what's the word? basically still kept working. <laughs> um, so he. He's a lorry driver, and so of course he's had to keep driving and keyworker. So yeah, so because he's a key worker, um, he 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 didn't get that experience of um having a little rest from it and the family time and all the rest of it. Um, but he was happy to keep working because obviously he loves his job and um and he and he likes doing what he does. But um, and I think work obviously keeps him him going as well, same as it does for me really. But um. Obviously, this year has meant that we've not been able to see you and the kids as much as we would have. And uh, obviously, his dad and his sisters and brothers and 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 just socialise with friends and, and do things that we would have been doing before. So I think all of that has um, has had a massive impact on on your dad um, more than any of us, uh, as in fear anyway. I know obviously for you, you've got the same thing because you um you know you've not been able to see us and stuff um my my job keeps me so busy that that's why i like working because then my brain's so busy that i can't think too much about stuff because when i do then i know it's just gonna make me cry and struggle so it's kind of it's been good that i've been able to keep working um and I think also there's been a lot of changes this year as well with my jobs and stuff and 
and yeah, money wise, it's not been the best of times for us. We, you know, I think I said to you before, I get myself into a bit of a pickle because I worry about dad's mental health. So then I'll do something that I shouldn't do to try and make him feel better, it backfires and end up owing money or whatever. And just trying to rob his call really. And this year, because of COVID and being furloughed for the best part of eight months, uh, massive impact on us and on our um on our money the rest of it. But because I'm pretty laid back and don't worry about stuff like that, I think that that um, doesn't help with dad because your dad doesn't worry about stuff like all I ever worry about is health. <laughs> I worry about people being ill and sick. I always say to myself, you know, at the end of the day, money, yeah, we do need it, but you know, you need you just no good having money if you've got no life. And, so yeah, but it's no, it's, it's difficult, and I've met so many people through my job who, you know, normally quite level-headed people, and you know, able to cope with lots of different situations, and and they're struggling. They, you know, it, not even necessarily because they're struggling for business, because it's down in Cornwall. I think that a lot of people have been very, um, you know, reactive, and they and they've made sure that they stayed doing their networking and they've been online and they've met people and they still have the meetings. So they've been pretty um, busy. But I think that the, the whole thing of, you know, people not being going to actual physical meetings and not actually having the physical contact with others. I think unless you are extremely, uh, I don't know what the word would be, but if, if you're able to, to live completely in solitude, then you'd be fine. But most of us aren't. Most of us need to have people around us. And I think even the likes of the, you know, the people who would normally not be phased by any of this, they're phased by it now because, you know, I mean, we're lucky. We're tier one in Cornwall, so we can go out and we can meet people and such like. But in Devon, they're tier two. So they've got a different thing again. And when you consider it's only like an hour's drive <laughs> away, so yeah, so it's just, it's just been a strange old year all round, and I think it's. I think if you're able to see your loved ones more, and do the normal stuff, um, maybe dad's mental health wouldn't have been as bad. I think that's. I think that's why I'm. I wouldn't say. Well, yeah, I, that's why I'm struggling now because, mm. like, I, I don't I don't struggle yeah. like dad does. And I've mm-hmm. never, I've never struggled, but like this last, this last four months or so, it's just, it's just getting harder and harder, and it, it, it's got to a point now where I'll come home and Olivia's like, "What you snapping for?" And I'm like, "I'm, I'm not. I'm just, I feel a bit shitty. I, I just feel stressed. Obviously, having to move house mm-hmm. again and all that, mm-hmm. all that bollocks. But it's, it, yeah, it, it's, it's hard, and it's hard, like." For me, because obviously we we are such a close family, and the fact that the fact that it's not as easy to just obviously come around the corner and mm-hmm. and see you or, and all of that. Yes, we've got well, Zoom I and stand outside the house and, and wave at us, is it? Is that thing? No, nah. but it, I think also, I think also then, Michael, I think that. For me, I, I do feel the same, but I kind of just um, shut down a little bit and focus on looking after everybody else because I know that I can't afford to really get myself 
but I can accept that I lose a lot of stuff and I do get upset and emotional and things. But like I said to your dad, you know, you're, you're 27 now. And for 27 Christmases, I've seen you. Even if we see you just before Christmas or just after, because we don't live nearby for the last eight years, I see you. And this is the first time ever. And that is really, it's it's just on my head. And I know in the grand scheme of things, yeah, we've got Zoom and all the rest of it. And it's not the same, that have lost it, then we won't see him ever again. But everything is relevant to yourself at the time, isn't it? It's it, it, whatever. There's always somebody worse off. That's granted. But what is happening in your world at that time? It's big to you. And and I've in the past, I've always downplayed how I felt about stuff. I thought, well, you know, let's put on the bright side. You know, somebody else is worse off. You're in a good place. But actually, we shouldn't be doing that in my opinion now. I've changed my view of it. We shouldn't downplay how we feel because the whole point of, you know, being open about mental health and how we feel is saying how we actually feel. And I feel shitty that, you know, I can't see you and kids and stuff, can't bring you presents, can't do normal stuff that we would do. Um, I am grateful that we've been lucky that in our family nobody has been affected by COVID and been ill and died from it or anything, but I've had friends that have had that happen and I just I just I I, I, I can see and I've noticed in yourself, um, and that's why I said to you about the other day, like I don't really this podcast together now because it's better than people and your dad I said Michael was struggling and I've never seen you struggle. Like this yeah. before, and especially when you're trying to help other people. But I think that COVID um, is probably affecting more people mentally than it is physically, if I'm honest. Um, and people can say and do and think whatever they want about the illness. But the, ma- the fact of the matter is, whatever you believe, you will all be affected by it because it will be having an impact in your life, either financially, mentally, physically, or, you know, even even from a perspective of, like my mum went, you know, and she's very much a conspiracy theorist, you know, she's absorbed herself in all of that. And that's fine, that's her opinion, and I would never tell anyone not to have an opinion of them you, because that's what life's all about, but she's consumed herself with all that kind of thing, and it takes over your life, and I think, for myself, I'm trying not to let this kind of thing take over. I'm trying to focus on what is happening here and now at this moment. Um, like with you, you know, I I would happily jump in a car and drive up to Nottingham, um, but I can't because it's not the right thing to do to protect other people. And I would hate to come up there and then come back with something and then granddad gets it or whatever and you know it's just it's about I think I think that's I think that's the thing for me it's like I'd quite happily like you say jump in the car and come just come down but Mm. it it it's too much of a risk because Mm -hmm. like you say granddad Chuck for one if he got it it it, would kill him um Mm -hmm. and it it's one of them. It's it's just too risky. One because you're obviously the chance the, there could be the chance of bringing something up or bringing something back from down there or whatever. And, and yeah. two, it 
like you say, it's just not the right thing to do. We've been told we're in tier system and we can't do anything and we can't travel between the tiers. But mm. until all of this is over, I'm just hoping after, at some point after Christmas it, it, it'll all go back to some form of normality because it's even it's even it's even started. I think it'll get to a point. I think it'll get to a point anyway where, like you know, where me and your dad and Bethany and Kelly probably will end up coming to visit, but it's still not going to be the same because it will have to be social distance because of um, the warrior stuff. But it depends on how it goes, doesn't it? I mean, the thing is, it's like. Um, with your dad and how your dad's feeling at the minute. I mean, your dad is, is suicidal and, you know, trying to weigh up, okay, so what's the right thing to do? But the chances are of us catching something and it harms us really badly is very, very slim because we are in relatively good health, so that shouldn't happen. And But is your dad more likely to try and end his life because he's so lost and he needs people? And it's weighing up the right thing to do for us as a family as opposed to for others and making sure that we don't let other people get yeah. sick because of us and it goes against the brain i mean my you're like me aren't you we, we want to help people we don't want to do the wrong thing and we worry about we, making uh, sure that other people are safe and happy and what other people think as well like yeah. uh, for, for me but yeah exactly for me like I'd ha- I'd happily come down there, but then I then worry what your neighbours are going to think because they know that I live up here and I've dr- drove all the way down there and I've yeah. come to come into your little village, and I've come from pretty well a city. It, it's it, it's what people think, but I agree with what you're saying. Like for people, people need to make their own call and judge what's right, what's best for them because. It's like you say with dad. What's going to harm him more? Is he going to is he going to kill himself because he's he's lost and he can't see anybody and he's feeling that low, or is COVID going to kill him? It COVID's not going to kill him because he's got nothing wrong with him physically. Exactly. You see, the thing is also so like every year at Christmas we normally we normally now have Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve. You know, grandma will normally take us all out for dinner and she wanted to do it this year and she spoke to the local pub and they said yeah you can do that but you'd have to have a table of six and she said oh well there'd be more than that and she said well, they'd have to go on tables of six and they're not near each other and you're not allowed to talk to each other and even though we're tier one you're, but you're in a pub with a lot of strangers so I just said well I'm not being funny but we all know we, we where we've all been and who we've been around and categorically, Matthew's mum and stepdad have not been anywhere around people because they're old and they've, you know, probably went to shop and wearing the mask and stuff, but they aren't like in contact with people all the time. Um, and we know where we've been and stuff. We were thinking far safer for them to just come here, you know. I mean, we've got the five days grace at Christmas, then they've been able to, to visit and stuff. So kind of like, well, just come here because there's not going to be a load of strangers in my house. You know, we, we it's going to be far safer for us to do that. And obviously, I suppose at first round, there's a bit like, I don't ever want to do that because, you know, it's risky. It's like, but more risk going in the pub with a load of strangers. So, you know, technically speaking, and obviously I know for the five days it's fine, but other times, it's, it's technically speaking, not not acceptable. It's wrong, you're breaking the law. But 
I just I just feel so strongly and so angry that people's mental health seems to be yet again the bottom of the pile of all this. And yet that's what's happening. I mean, last week, um, in fact, three or four days ago, another chap was found hanging in the woods. And um, again, the other week, a lady was found in the woods. She'd hurt herself as well. And these are all people that just, you know, they're struggling and it might not be COVID related, but it just seems to be there's more and more and more of it. And the loneliness kicks in and Christmas can be lonely for people anyway, if you don't have family. But for those who do have family, then you've got that taken away. So what are you worrying about? Why are you moaning? You've got, you know, you can go on the internet. Well, some of these people won't have the internet because they can't afford the internet anymore because they've been affected by money. And there's so many elements to it. There's so many elements to it. Is that is that um, is that down there in the woods you're on about? Yes, yeah. Yeah, there was the, there was the other chap um, a few days ago, which Dad showed me because Dad's always looking and he, he always makes a point of saying, I was going to move along. And I think that's because he's probably frightened that he's going to be one. And I had a very frank conversation with him last week and said to him, you know, do you, do you, do you really feel like that? And, was, yeah. and I said to him, can you just try your hardest? And he said, at least I am trying. I said, because it's really hard. And I was crying because I was sitting and I'm going to end up the same. So my one of my friends, her partner, when Dad went missing in July, uh, two days later, four days later, her partner took his life. And um, obviously, she'd been very supportive when Dad was disappeared and said, Oh, I hope you're arrested. And four days later, she was that person, the one that's on the news, you know, the one that's you know, the widow left behind. And, and I was just crying because he did Don't want to be one of those people. But in, in my in my heart, I just have this overwhelming uh, fear that I will end up being one of those people. And and I know how much Dad wants to live, and that's what scares me because it's not like I know some people say we don't want to be here anymore, and people say we don't really mean it. Some people do mean it. Some people don't want to be here anymore. Life is so unbearable they don't want to be. Um, and, you know, and some people, you know, go and do stuff for themselves because they just feel that there is no choice. And then there's people like your dad who, who doesn't want to die, but he cannot control the impulsive thoughts that are here all the time telling him that he's worthless and he, he doesn't deserve anything. And actually, the sad thing is that all the thoughts and feelings Dad has about himself are not even... I've never heard anybody say anything like that about him. Um, I've, you know, this last year has been different for me. Um, and, you know, he's, he has come off his medication because of myself, because I <clears throat> told him that I couldn't... I, I, I said I was feeling different towards him. Still love him very much. Um, in the sense of how how when dad's not well and things that he says and does and, and without going into massive detail but just stuff that really upsets me and I had to tell him I can't keep going around like this because I just feel like I'm going around and around circles and of course me being honest and open about my feelings obviously you know because you're part of my club but all three kids you all obviously um, 
you finish it all and you all read and you pull me out and, and everything that went off because I was expressing my boundaries and my feelings and such like, which had not been something that I'd ever done before because I was too frightened to because I didn't want to say the wrong thing and push your dad over the edge. But I got to a point where I knew I needed to say these things because if I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. And I was scared of how my brain was going and what I was thinking and, and just all sorts. So that meant that then dad uh, re-evaluated everything and that's why he came off the medication because he said he didn't want to have the medication and then treat me the way he had. He didn't realise he'd been like that. He would never want to hurt me. Um, and for a while, Dad was doing really well and it did seem a little bit more positive. But then in the last, I don't know, four, six, maybe eight weeks, it was slowly reverting again. Not, not in a, I would say that in your dad's defence, when he's, um, been a bit off with me, he's recovered from that quicker. He hasn't sort of done usually the day after day. He, he's been able to talk about it. So that just shows that the medication was stopping him from having a conversation about stuff. Um, even yesterday, we had a conversation about something that I thought I would go against and go that way, and he didn't. He, he was able to feel that. So I do get that the medication is. is changed his thought patterns and stuff um but i don't believe that dad should not have any medication because the suicidal thoughts and the impulsive behavior are extreme and all it takes is for one moment when he's on his own and his thoughts change and he have the opportunity and that would be it and that's what scares me because at the end of the day i don't want anything bad to happen to dad because i love him but i also don't want anything to happen to him because it's just awful. It's just awful to think that somebody who's, you know, yeah, okay, not perfect. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. But at the end of the day, for somebody to end their life thinking that they, um, that they, they should, because that's it. It's nothing is really ever, ever that bad in your life that you don't deserve to have your own life. I mean. I know people have different circumstances with people that have had bad childhoods, have been abused and traumatised. Um, and it's so sad because they didn't ask for any of that. And for them, people to then go on and their lives because they're so disturbed by everything. It's just, it's just awful. It's just strange. It's just, you know. and, I, and, I, and I suppose as well, you know, listening to dad and you know, trying to talk to him is, He's become less talkative on the subject. You have to really get it out of him. But I've also learned that that's not a good thing to pressure him too much. Um, and a bit like when we were on our peer support, peer support group the other day and we were talking and, you know, the guys were talking about alcohol and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, that your dad, when he started to go down here, he would drink too much. He'll start having all these drinks. He'll start overeating. He'll start doing all different things. Yeah. Like a downward spiral, and normally I would be saying to them, Don't do that, don't do that, please, don't do that. And I'm not saying any of that anymore, and it's not because I don't care, it's because I've realized actually 
it's not my place to tell him what he can and can't do. He's a grown man and he's got to make those decisions himself and that's how he'll learn. And he is because he will, like last night, he's going to save that beer for tomorrow. Normally, he would have just drank it. He would have kept drinking it. You know, there's a bottle of port on the side and he would have just kept drinking it and drinking it. And, and, he, and he hasn't. And so I think I'm learning all the time, still, after all this time, different ways to deal with it. Um, but it's not easy. It's not easy because it's, you know, it's if you're trying to help somebody and sometimes you just feel like helpless because you can't help them. I mean, obviously, um, you, you feel yourself. I mean, it's like when you mess with me somehow sad today and you ask me, I'll tell you the truth, but I won't ever go out of my way to, to tell you stuff because you live so far away and I know that you're like me and I'm thinking the last thing I want is you worrying about your dad and then you have an accident because your brain's so fascinated with what's happening with dad and it's just it's just a mess how you, your brain ends up going but I'm learning now that not to necessarily go down the path of how my brain wants to go sometimes and a bit more accepting of things. It's like, it's like for me now, it's like, I, it, it, it's hard because obviously I've not seen any of you since, what, June, July sort of time. And then obviously dad's feeling the way he is now. I won't see you till next year. And it, in the back of my mind, it, it, it's it's starting to make me think. Will I know it sounds horrible, but will he be here at my wedding? Do you know what I mean? Mm. I know it's I know it's horrible to think like that, but that's yeah. that it's, it's in the back of, in the back of my mind. I said it to Olivia uh, earlier, uh, but obviously we know he's fighting, and it's it's one of them. I think I think the hardest part of it all is um, I suppose I got told off before for trying to compare um, suicidal thoughts and ideation and that with cancer. But just saying that you know when somebody has cancer and they diagnose, you either get told that we're really sorry that this is incurable and you know, do everything we can, or yeah we can fix it. With um with mental health um, and, and, and what dad's got with the borderline personality disorder, it's not filled in. It doesn't go away, it doesn't change. It's managing it. And, and the fact is that the, the, the roller coaster of emotions that that illness has and how it goes along, and, you know, dad can be super happy then. Because he's never just happy, he's either super happy or he's super down. You know? Yeah, get yeah, you know, that proper really, high. He intensely loves you, or he intensely hates you. There's no, there's no middle ground. There's no room for maneuver. He's very black and white in thinking, and you know, and everybody around him, you know, anybody else's opinion. It's not that he doesn't value other people's opinions. It's just that his mindset is very black and white, and 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 again, that 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 in itself is quite difficult sometimes. And I think, I think. You're not horrible for thinking what you're thinking because I've thought all sorts, Michael. I've 
I've even down to the detail of I've, I've been I've had nightmares of being sat in the crematorium at your dad's funeral, and I and just seeing myself stood there crying, knowing that that's it, and and I've had to stop myself because I was like, you just you're making yourself feel about something that hasn't happened yet, but it's so hard to not do that because when you do love someone and you don't want them to die you will try everything you can to keep them alive and, and they say with with cancer you know that's horrific and obviously we've lost loved ones and we've had family members with cancer and they survive but we've known one way or the other and dad's illness means that we really don't know from day to day how how he's going to be and where he's going to be and but I have learned over the last year to control my own um, thoughts and feelings and be more rational and be more realistic about things because I suppose for anybody that's listening and maybe feeling the same about their loved one and panicking and worrying, it doesn't actually achieve anything. All that happens is you become very ill yourself in your thoughts you become very down and sad and the last thing that somebody who is feeling like that is then to have somebody else around them that's feeling sad and down they need to be able to see that the positivity in people yeah. and your dad's always said that to don't 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 be down because i'm down i'm just bringing the whole house down it's really hard because you're kind of like well i don't want to be jumping around and singing and dancing and you're sat there and you know you're not feeling good but Again, it's, it's, it's all a learning process. And everyone's different, like you said, there's no textbook, there's no rule book. Our experience is our experience, and it's exactly that, and the next person's could be completely different. But for us and our family, and the experience that we've had with Dad, it's, it's been a massive learning curve for all of us, and for new kids as you've grown up to adults, learning about Dad and the way he is with certain things, and that it's not meant in a bad way. Um, but, you know, like I say, it's, it's, it's that not knowing what's going to happen from day to day. I've just taken the, the stance on it now that the, the best way that I can deal with that is to try to focus on something else, keep myself busy with something else. And before, if I used to, so instead of making dinner in the evening and I'd think about Dad, I'd have to phone him right away when I thought about him. So if I don't phone him now and I've thought about him and something's wrong with him, then it's my fault because I should have phoned him because my brain was telling me to phone him and I didn't. Yeah. And actually I've learned now that Lisa, that's just you being stupid and actually don't keep phoning another five minutes. Let him just be, let him just do what he's got to do and give him back control of his own life and it's not for me to control I think for dad that's probably been a hard thing because I think he's probably taken it that I don't care but it's not that I don't care it's just that I've realised that lots of things that I've done have probably been more harmful but it's only because I've cared and been frightened and listened and not wanted to control and all that kind of thing so it's difficult it's difficult we'll get we'll get there it's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, 
it's the, it's the thing, this is just the thing about all of us, Michael, though, you know, I started being on the Olympic road because I didn't have anyone to talk to and I felt like I was on my own, there was no one else experiencing what I was. You started Beyond the, uh, Beyond the Tangle Mind, you started the Tangle Mind podcast because you wanted to be able to speak to other people and learn from them and, and help them get their voice out there as well. So whilst all this is bad, what's happening to us as a family, between us, it's meant that we've then been able to talk to other people who have probably felt like we've helped them, but actually they've helped us a lot. So that's what we did it for. We did it for for us to be able to have conversations with others. And it's like the peer to peer support group we started, you know. The guys on there, they've all got their own things, but they're doing, their own things they're dealing with. But like the one on Friday, the, the common ground is that it is like we've known each other for a long time. There's no judgment. There's no, you don't have to explain yourself. Everybody knows. They kind of get it. They get it whether, it, whether you are the person that's not well or you're the person that loves someone that's not well. Um, and you feel supported. And when I came off that on Friday, I just thought, this is amazing because... I sat on it for a couple of hours and whilst the subject we're talking about is quite upsetting and, and sad and, but at the same time it's it's just nice to know that we're all able to talk to each other and and help in some way and yeah it's just well, the, the feedback that I've had from from it has just been insane like I've had I've had a couple of the the people that come on it message and say mm-hmm. that it's it, it's what they needed. They never thought they would have been able to do it before, but now, like they've come on it and they're just talking about stuff that they wouldn't have spoke about before. Um, yeah. But I, I think, obviously, I think for me, although I knew I, we, we we wanted to do it, I, I initially. It was a bit. I wasn't sure how it was going to turn out, yeah. and it's gone ten times better than I was. Well, yeah. I, I, than I was expecting it to. I, I think. I think the thing with it as well, though, is that you know, and again, I've probably learned this from people I've met through work that you can sit around and wait to do something that's that's perfect, um, and you know, cross all the dot all the I's and cross all the T's and do all the stuff like that. We can just run with it and just see how it goes. And I think the fact that we have just done this with no real plan of how it was going to go. And we're just on Zoom and we're just talking with people. It, it's a private group, so only people that we can send a Zoom to can, can come in or we'll invite in. Um, I know, obviously, I've shared it to lots of different places, but no one, no one's going to come on to a mental health thing that it doesn't want to it's just it's, it's not they're not going to just come on for any reason no. and, and everyone that has been on um so far has, has been you know they've been able to share their story and talk but at the same time if we get people that come along and just want to sit with a camera and listen not to because it helps them then that's what it's all about it's not about it's not a performance it's not a Let's see who you are. Let's find out. We don't really need to do that. We just want to have a space where people can go to that means that it doesn't matter where you are in the world, quite frankly, if you're struggling because 
you either have a mental health or you have a family member or a friend and you want to learn more about it from a peer-to-peer perspective. Yeah. And again, what we spoke about in the sense of, no, we're not professionals, but without being rude, we probably know more about these things than a lot of the GPs do because we live in it and we've researched and we've read the books and we've looked online and we've spoke to other people who can help us, you know, therapists and such like. And so I think that was one of the biggest things that I realised when your dad was in hospital, the fact that they were telling, quoting to me stuff. And I said, look, you're, you're, you're talking about my husband, Matthew, as if he is a textbook. You're talking about him as if he is written in a page of your book and he isn't. He is a human being with his own brain and his own thoughts, feelings, his own body. He's him individual. No one else like him. It's him himself. And you cannot tell me how he should be behaving and what he should be doing because you've learned it in the textbook. I said, I know, because obviously the thing I'm talking about, and you know about it, was he was in hospital and he went in because he tried to end his life and then they were complaining that he needed to be sitting in the in the fort, in the communal area where they were sitting playing bloody guitars and singing Kumbaya. Now even if your dad was in a really good place there is nowhere on the earth he would have ever done that because for one he is suffers with social anxiety uh, and for two he won't be singing anyway because he can't sing and he hates stuff like that. Be, you know, if somebody karaoke, he'd be like, go out of the room, go somewhere else. It's just not his thing. It doesn't make him bad, and that's not part of him being that's just him. That's just that's treated. just his character, isn't it? Exactly. But he was treated like he was wrong for doing that. And my my argument with him was, you know, you're not making people feel better when you try and push him to do stuff. But they said, well, we we need to be where we can see them. I went. Well, go and look at him in his room then. We haven't got time for that. And I said, well, make time because you can't make somebody do something that they don't want to do. And it's not, he doesn't want to help. He's come in here because he's suicidal, not because he wants to, doesn't want to sing and play guitar. It's not, no, that's not what he's here for. And I think the moment that I started speaking it like that was when it went really wrong. And that's when they started going out this codependency crap. Which I still really pisses me off now, but luckily the psychiatrist said that's not the case, and they were told off for it. But yeah, I just I don't know. I could go on for hours about all the different things that happen and get said. And it's like we were talking about the other day when you said about you know the terminology, and yeah, okay, there are politically correct words to use now um, with regards to things. But you know what? If you ask somebody and you're struggling and you refer to yourself as whatever word you want to, you're the person struggling, you can call yourself whatever you like. Got nothing to do with anybody else. It's, it, I don't get offended if somebody said, if people say to me about me, me talking all the time, I'm, I'm quite aware of it. In fact, I talk all the time, I talk a lot, but I've got jobs because I talk a lot and I will converse with people and such like. And actually, you know what? I'm not going to be offended by it if you don't like it then move on so what there's so many people that have got an opinion now that's fine to have an opinion but stop forcing your opinion on others and stop telling people they're wrong because they've said something that has not been worded the way that somebody somewhere said this is how we have to say it now 
who's who who is that person to tell um that man or woman or boy girl who who you are and what you're what you're saying what what, what <laughs> it's your experience if you want to say i nearly topped myself the other day it's not the right words to use really is it but that's that if that's that person and that's what they're saying stop making them feel even worse for using words that are wrong I just think it's the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard in my life. And it really stresses me out because you just add to the problem by being a smart ass and trying to look good because you think, oh, look, if I say this because X, Y, Z said I should. But all you're doing is you're hurting the people that are struggling more because the last thing on their mind is saying the right words. They're just trying to get the words out to tell you how they feel. And, um, <laughs> and I certainly haven't put them in it for it. <laughs> yeah, because I, I say it all the time. It's, I, I, I always say, like, for somebody to be able to step up and talk about how they're feeling that mm -hmm. suffers with mental health, it, it's that initial bit of opening up is the hardest thing they'll ever do. And yeah. it, everyone's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, if you put it, if you think of it like they're a hurdler in like the Olympics, they're running. Once they've jumped over that first hurdle, then the ne the rest of the steps get easier. So the rest of the hurdles get easier. So for them to be able to get go to get take themselves to the GPs or wherever and be able to open up, that's that first hurdle they've taken. Once they've done that, then things will slowly start to get easier. But it's not an overnight fix. No, no, it's not at all. And, and, and I do think that sometimes, you know, people do mean well when they say stuff because they're thinking, well, you shouldn't have said those words because you're trying to text somebody or whatever. But actually, you, you need to think about who the person is that's saying these things and how they're saying them. And people, in my experience with people, I don't know anybody that will go out of their way to talk in the derogatory term about most things in life that are in the media nowadays, to be honest. I don't know anybody that does, you know. People get to say things because it's just how they're, you know, how they thought about something. And I, and I think again, most most people, I like your dad. Dad says, I don't get offended how people refer to people with mental illness. He says, Why would I get offended? He says, It's, it's not it's not being nasty people. It's just that's what the words were used before. And all of a sudden, let's change the vocabulary because somebody somewhere said that's what we should do. And the funniest thing is that normally the people that want to change the vocabulary are not actually people that are actually ill. They're yeah. not actually normally the people. It's it's normally people who have got absolutely nothing to do with whatever the cause is. And they're thinking, this is brilliant. And they say that it's not look good. But actually, it doesn't make you look good because it just causes more hurt and conflict for the person that is ill because then they've got to think, oh, I need to make sure I say the right word. There's no right or wrong word. It's your your vocabulary and you talk how you want to talk about your own mental health and that's 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 your choice to do that and it's no one else's um <clears throat> as far as people getting help and such like that as well though i mean i don't know what it's like for the country i was lived there for about eight years now but certainly down here in the southwest in Cornwall, um it's 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 very difficult to get help at the minute and um, it was before COVID but now it's even worse and um, I think that that's what we were saying the other day and was it um, John that was talking about um, 
be great to be able to, you know, go to a GP and say, look, if, if you've got people that are struggling, they can come and talk to me, you know, this is what we're doing. Because even if we are only peer-to-peer groups, as some might say, the fact is we're trying to do something more than what anybody else is trying to do. So if that means that somebody's struggling and they come and talk to us and it helps them, surely that's all that matters. Exactly. Um, but from literally putting a couple of videos on YouTube to starting podcast it it it's gone well it's just gone from one extreme to the other I went from literally doing nothing knowing that I want to try and support people to having a little setup in one in the kids bedroom 
with the with mic and everything and recording, meeting people from all over the world. It's it's gone crazy. Mm-hmm. So um, before actually, I've just remembered as well. Um, have you have you told people about your um, crowdfunding thing? the go from me so i haven't i haven't i've not i've not pushed it too much um but because you're too embarrassed to do it yeah yeah well okay so be quiet (laughs) so so michael is like me he will never ever ever ask for help and stuff he will always try and do stuff himself but he um had conversations with harmony and a bunch of other people about and give you some money to to basically be able to do more stuff in regards to this and helping people. And then he came to me and he said, Mum, what do you think about me doing a, a GoFundMe page? And I said to him, why not? There's people asking for money on there to erect statues. There's people on there asking for money for all sorts of random stuff. You're asking for people to help you help others with their mental health. So why not? So Michael has got a go from the page and I will make sure that Michael shares it on his Instagram so that you can see it. Because he's not trying to get money for himself. It's not self it's not self-obsessed money. It's basically so that he can get better equipment so that he can improve the podcast, which he does for free in his own time. He has to edit them, he has to speak to the people, and it's all about helping people get their messages out there. So even if it's a pound. All of his followers, I don't know how many you've got now, what, 200, 300, more than that? Uh, I don't know how many you've got. Uh, Not as many as Theo, I know that much. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I've, I've just under a thousand. Just under a thousand. So imagine if just under a thousand followers on your Instagram donate one pound each, just one pound. Even with COVID, one pound is not a lot of money. You could be one of those people that needs to be have some needs to have somewhere to go to be supported. That one pound could help a family member like yourself just by donating a pound. And Michael would then have half of the, the money that he needs to be touched to. So um, I'm sorry, Michael, but I know you won't ask and you won't say because you feel embarrassed, but you should never feel embarrassed because all you want to do is help people. And there's no, you know, if, if everybody that tried to help people were shamed and see what they were doing, then nobody would ever help people. And I don't think there'd be anybody listening to this that would think to themselves, no, why would I go next to them? Why would I go next to So... Get it on there. <laughs> I will. This is your mother. This is your mother speaking. <laughs> uh, well, anybody for anybody that is listening to this, well, everybody that listens to this, it, if you want to come and join our peer to peer support group, we do it once a month, and we get everyone together and we just talk. You don't have to talk; you can just listen, but you can either. Obviously, message me at the Tangled Mind podcast, or you can message all three of us at Beyond the Elaborate Road um, to come on. I know Mum posts it on uh, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, every platform she's got it on. But next month, we will be doing one. Um, we've not set the date just yet. Um, 
I think it'll probably be, be about uh, the 15th of January or 22nd, maybe something like that. So it's, it's, it's definitely not the first two weeks, first week or the last week, it's within the, within the middle of the month. Yeah. Friday at seven, isn't it? Yeah, Friday, Friday. It's at, at, yeah, Friday nights at seven pm, um, and we can obviously get you on. But yeah, thank you for obviously coming back on to episode thirty. Um, and nearly, nearly as old as you. <laughs> all right, jog on. <laughs> <laughs> jog on. No, but, I, I am very proud of you, Michael, and, and thank you for um, thank you for everything you're doing for all these lovely people. And if um, if there's anything that a parent ever wants, to do, you just want the kids to be good people. And I'm lucky that all three of my children are good people. But um, you are doing something that um, I know is very hard for you because you worry about dad, and I'm just proud of you, mate. I'm really proud of you. Oh, <laughs> you start me off. <laughs> January, January soon, and then you'll be like, "Mum, go away! I don't want to see you. You're here all the time." You what? <laughs> It'll be January soon, and we'll come and see you, and then you'll be like, "Mum, you, you can't keep coming back each week. You, you, you can't stay this long." <laughs> no, and I, I, I need you to come up. I need Dad to try his <laughs> suit on. Well, yeah, that's true. Well, that's very true. I haven't even got an outfit for this wedding yet. Anyway, that's another reason why COVID needs to do one. Flipping 15 people at a wedding. What's that all about? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> it is what it is. If, if it's a uh, case, well, it's more than likely it will be 15, but um, mm-hmm. we'll be doing a uh, setup like a Zoom link for people to watch it on anyway. You could do it like the royal wedding, couldn't we, really? You could just like do it on. Uh, stream it to the BBC. <laughs> You're not that important, mate. No, I was thinking more like on Instagram. We could go on Theo because Theo is 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 famous, isn't he? He's Instagram famous. We could put it out at the wedding live on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll sort it. But right. it will be. We'll just make it make make the day. What it's gonna be? The, the main the main thing of it is that you and Olivia are getting married, and regardless of who can and can't go, everybody will always be there with you anyway. In mind. But I will have to say that I better be there because if I'm not there, I will be really cross. Because I've I've bought a hat. I don't have I don't have a dress, but I've got a hat, and as says I'd never wear a hat. There's no one's on earth I'm wearing a hat at a wedding. I'm too young for that, and I bought one, so I need to come now. Oh, you better bloody be there. <laughs> I hope so. You're, you're, you're on the list. You're coming in. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Dan. <laughs> you're, you're, you're on the, your name's on the, on the list. You, you're allowed in. You're allowed in. <laughs> but, all right, well, again, obviously, thank you for coming on, and uh, I love you. I love you, Susan. See you. Uh,